I'm going to read from the Gospel of Mark today, and we're going to look at Mark chapter 1, verses 40 to 45. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town but was out in desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter. This is the word of the Lord. Let me uh, pray for us. Uh, God, we thank you just for this uh, time to worship. And, um, you know, we, we really do pray during this season. I think uh, maybe many of us were hoping for a quote-unquote normal holiday season where uh, we wouldn't have to worry about uh, the rise of COVID and things like that. Uh, but uh, given uh, our circumstances, uh, we, uh, we do pray, God, that you would uh, really protect us all, uh, not just physically, um, but maybe more importantly, spiritually, uh, that you would keep us encouraged, that you would help us to uh, come to you still, uh, to not neglect worship in our hearts, uh, even if there are times where we can't meet together uh, in person and that you would give us keen ears to hear uh, what you have to say to us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so <clears throat> we are in a season of Advent, and <laughs> this week we're supposed to celebrate Christmas, right? Uh, Christmas, I believe, is on, on Saturday. And for the last few weeks, you know, we have been reflecting on the heart of Christ, and we started by looking at this passage in the Gospel of Matthew, where Jesus reveals his very heart to us, and he says that he is gentle and lowly in heart. And so what I've been wanting us to do is I really wanted us to reflect on the invitation that Jesus gives, uh, not only to be convicted that we ought to move towards him, that we ought to come to him, but also I want us to have a sense of, of comfort uh, that we can move towards Christ freely because he is gentle and lowly in heart. And so uh, I know I'm supposed to preach a Christmas message, and, you know, usually the traditional thing to do is to preach on one of those uh, Christmas passages, but I'm going to do something a little bit unconventional today, and we're going to look at this passage about Jesus and a leper. Now, there's a few reasons why I want to look at this story of Jesus and the leper. Uh, the first reason is I, I think it gives us a really concrete picture of someone who shouldn't have come to Jesus— and yet is coming to Jesus, uh, and very unashamedly. Uh, in a way, I think it illustrates who can come to Jesus and how one ought to come to Jesus. Uh, second, I think given what we've been through in like the last uh, year and a half uh, to two years, maybe we have a little bit of a deeper appreciation uh, for what this leper is experiencing. And third, I think this story illustrates uh, who Jesus is and what he has done for us in, in a very powerful, powerful way. And so, as unconventional as it may be to look at a passage about Jesus and the leper, 
uh, during the week of Christmas. Uh, I, do, I do hope it encourages us, and uh, as you'll see, I do, I do think it touches upon the message of Christmas. So, very, from the start, from the very first verse, it tells us something very simple, and what it tells us is this. And a leper came to him, right? And a leper came to him. Now, in those days, uh, lepers, they weren't supposed to come to people. In fact, lepers were supposed to avoid people at all costs. If you read places like Leviticus, Leviticus 13, it, it outlines some of the laws concerning uh, the leprous person. And one of the things that it says about a leper is they're supposed to remain outside of the camp. They're supposed to remain outside of the city. They're supposed to be outside of their community, away from people. They weren't supposed to come to people. They were supposed to stay away from people. And if someone happened to encounter a leper, that leper is supposed to yell, unclean, unclean, as if to identify themselves as saying, I am an unclean person. I have leprosy. You need to stay away from me. And if you understand Jewish law and Jewish culture, you know, this first verse would immediately raise flags because that is not what a leper is supposed to do. A leper is not supposed to go to anybody, but we see here this leper comes to Jesus. Now, when I was in sabbatical, I enrolled in a, in a graduate history class at Rutgers, and one of the things that we had to read for school was a, a chapter from uh, Michel Foucault's book, Discipline and Punish. And Foucault, he's this French philosopher, and he wrote a lot of different things. And I'm not going to actually talk about anything that he said or any of his theories because it's not relevant to the sermon. But he did put this idea of the leper in my head. Because in this chapter that I had to read, you know, he's, uh, oh, and it's so interesting reading uh, that chapter in light of everything we've been through with COVID. But basically, he's reflecting on what happened after a plague appeared in town at the end of the 17th century. And um, ultimately what he's doing, he's making a commentary about things like surveillance and disciplinary power. But there's a place where he talks about the leper uh, in order to contrast you know, how a society deals with the leper versus how a society deals with a plague. And he says, lepers are the, the people who gave rise to our rituals of exclusion. And societies developed the practice of rejection on account of the leper. And therefore, their exile ultimately reflects society's desire to have this kind of pure community, right? Now, I'm not sure where he's getting his ideas from. It actually could be from the Bible because he did get a lot of things from Christianity. But he actually made me consider the experience of a leper uh, more than I had before. Now, I always understood, you know, being a leper was not a fun experience in those days. Uh, someone who had a physical disease probably felt something of a uh, loneliness. Uh, but I think you know, having gone through uh, this period of COVID, I do have a greater appreciation uh, on an experiential level for what it may have felt like, you know, because, uh, you know, back in like March 2020, I think it was like April when, you know, I got COVID and I probably a lot of you remember <laughs> when I had COVID and, uh, uh, it, but, you know, back then, you know, this was before vaccines and things like that. The only advice you got was like, you have to quarantine for 14 days if you have it, right? So when I got COVID, I stayed in my bedroom for, was it 14 days? It was a long time, right? I stayed in my bedroom uh, away from my family, no human contact, right? It, it felt like prison, right? <laughs> a nice prison because I had a TV, but um, you know, it was a very isolating experience. And what Jen would do is like, she would bring food on a tray. She would like leave it inside the door and then shut the door <laughs> and then I would go walk and get my food. And uh, I don't know how many of you had that like quarantine experience, but I think like more than like the, uh, the fevers and the body chills that I had, that quarantine experience was like horrible, right? That was the worst part of it. Uh, 
And I did it in a bedroom with a television and a bathroom. And, but still, that, that experience of isolation and loneliness is, is really tough. Uh, you know what I did? I, I spent a lot of time watching movies. And uh, I watched a lot of sports movies. I watched like Remember the Titans with Denzel Washington. I, I watched Invincible. I watched Miracle. Right? All these shows, movies are on Disney+. Plus. And uh, looking back, I must have been like really emotionally vulnerable because I don't usually cry in movies, but after like watching these movies, oh man, I was like bawling, like, oh. And I think I, <laughs> I, think I was like, uh, like so touched by these movies and extra sensitive to the beauty of community through sports uh, because I was, I guess I had experienced like that experience of being isolated from everybody, right? And just kind of being alone for such a long period of time. These lepers, um, I don't know how long they would be alone, but I imagine it was a, a significant amount of time, perhaps even like a lifetime, but they are living outside of their community and they're not supposed to go near anybody. And if they happen to come across someone, again, they're saying like, you know, I'm unclean, I'm unclean, like get away from me. And I can only imagine like the, the look that someone would have when they, they right, see a person walking and saying, unclean, unclean. And then they kind of had this look of like, oh, let me get away from this person, right? That's the, that's the embodiment, I think, of exile and rejection. These lepers are the embodiment of what that is. But when this leper hears about Jesus, he does what he is not supposed to do. He, he comes to Jesus. He approaches Jesus. And the way he came to Jesus tells us something, not only about his desperation in that moment, but I, I also think it tells us something about his faith. It says, a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, if you will, you can make me clean. And this leper who has experienced exile and rejection, he has the audacity to defy all of these religious mores and these social mores, and he comes to Jesus. If I were a leper having experienced total rejection from my own community, uh, I think I would be a little bit afraid to come to Jesus. And uh, here's the reason why. You know, after all, every other human interaction has been one of rejection. And so what if Jesus had said, Oh, you're a leper. Get away from me, you unclean leper. Right? What do you think you're doing coming to me? What if Jesus had responded in that way? And I imagine maybe a leper having experienced that time and time and again from other people Maybe it crosses imagination that perhaps Jesus might respond in this way. And, but still, this leper, out of a sense of desperation, comes to Jesus and risks this uh, deeper wound if Jesus had rejected him. But Jesus doesn't do that, does he? Verse 41 says, Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and he touched him. Uh, the commentaries, they actually debate uh, whether the word should be anger instead of pity. Um, because there's like slight differences in the manuscripts. Uh, either way, whether it's pity or whether it's anger, uh, we know Jesus doesn't reject this leper. I've mentioned that uh, I am drawing inspiration for this like short, I guess three week series from a book called Gentle and Lowly by Dane Ortland. And in that book, there is a chapter called I Will Never Cast Out. And it's based on this single verse that comes from John chapter six, verse 37 where Jesus says, all that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. And what uh, Dane Ortland does in that book, he, he basically talks about a Puritan book by John Bunyan, and this book is called Come and Welcome to Jesus Christ. Believe it or not, 
The entire book is about that single verse. Uh, John chapter 6, verse 37. I actually realized I have that book on my computer through my Bible software. And so I looked it up and I, I like looked through it. It is 240 pages uh, expositing that one verse. I don't know, I cannot believe someone can write 240 pages on a single verse. But John Bunyan does it. And in that book, one of the observations that he makes is, you know, the implication of the verse is that people are uh, afraid that Jesus will not ultimately receive them. And of course, there's a whole ton of, whole host of reasons why they might be afraid of that, uh, namely sin. And so Jesus has to provide some assurance that whoever comes to him, he will never cast out. And he has a beautiful way of saying this, uh, John Bunyan does, and I'm, I, you know, I changed the word a little bit because the Puritans, uh, the way that they write is not as pal palatable to us, but uh, this is basically what he says. He, he comes up with this hypothetical objection and response, this conversation between us and Jesus. And he says, right, the objection we will raise, but I am a great sinner, says you. I will never cast you out, says Christ. But I am a hard-hearted sinner, says you. I will never cast you out, says Christ. But I am a backsliding sinner, says you. I will never cast you out, says Christ. But I've served Satan all my days, says you. I will never cast you out, says Christ. But I've sinned against the light, says you. But I will never cast you out, says Christ. But I have sinned against mercy, says you. I will never cast you out, says Christ. But I have no good thing to bring with me, says you. I will never cast you out, says Christ. If a leper, uh, the leper in this passage were to raise an objection, perhaps this leper would say, but I am a leper. I am unclean. I am cast out by my own community. I am exiled. I am rejected. I am unworthy. To which Jesus would say, I will never cast you out. That is the heart of Christ, friends. Now, I, I know we live in a morally confused culture where this line between uh, right and wrong sometimes gets blurred. And, um, you know, morality, if morality is our only way of understanding sin, then sin becomes this difficult concept to grasp. So I don't know if you talk to somebody who's, you know, not a believer, didn't grow up in church and things like that, and you say a word like sin, and they're like, what, what does that mean, right? Uh, you know, that's the kind of culture we live in. But I do think most people, if not all people, can still understand the language of clean and dirty. And so it's, it's actually a very good image, especially in light of the times that we're living in, to communicate this concept of sin. You know, we do understand the distinction between somebody who is clean versus somebody who's dirty. And, you know, there's a story that I heard, you know, in the 1960s, uh, I forget which year exactly, some of you soccer nerds maybe will be able to tell me who won the World Cup or when England won the World Cup uh, in soccer. But after England won the World Cup in soccer, uh, the captain of the team was uh, being interviewed after having received the trophy from the Queen of England. And they asked him, right, how did it feel to receive the trophy from the Queen of England, thinking he would have been like, it was awesome, it was a great experience, I can't believe I met the Queen. But his response was actually a little bit different, and what he said is, that was a terrifying experience because the Queen was uh, wearing these spotless white gloves, right? immaculately dressed, but wearing these spotless white gloves, 
And I had just played the soccer match, and I was filthy. I was dirty. I had mud all over me and all over my hands. And I, apparently there's video of this. So he's, you know, walking over to receive the trophy from the queen, and he's just kind of like really trying to wipe all the dirt and all the mud off of his hands before he shakes her hand. You know, when you're dirty, you, you know what it feels like, especially if everybody around you is clean. You have this sense of unworthiness before clean people. You know that feeling of, ooh, I don't belong here, right? I, I stink. I smell. Uh, I have dirt and mud all over me and everybody is clean you know what that feels like and that's probably why the language of clean and unclean is something that is appropriate for this leper because they are struggling with the shame that comes with being unclean and of course there's the religious ceremonial aspect of being declared unclean and so for jesus who is the ultimate personification of what it means to be clean to receive this leper the personification of what it means to be unclean is really a remarkable act, a remarkable act of grace. But Jesus, he, he takes it a step further than that, right? Jesus not only makes the leper clean, he stretches out his hand and he touches the leper. He touches the leper. Now, you weren't supposed to touch a leper in those days because if you did, uh, you would not only expose yourself to the, the disease, uh, but you yourself would be declared to be ceremonially unclean. And if you think about it, the leper has probably not experienced human touch, right, human contact in a very long time. And uh, I, don't, I don't know if you realize, like, how much uh, human touch uh, affects things, right, in terms of relationally. Uh, maybe we know now because of COVID. Uh, now we have, like, these, you know, and we, we still did it, I guess, before this, this uptick. But, uh, you know, we would, like, when you greet somebody, you hug them or you shake their hand or you give them a high five. Or uh, like now we might do like an elbow bump or a, a fist bump. Uh, <clears throat> actually, now what we probably do is like we, we do a fist bump and the other person reaches out to shake your hand and they're like, oh, can't do that. And then you do fist bump and the other and it fumbles this like awkward interaction. Uh, why do we do that in our greetings? Why do we do, why do we have human touch? You know, I think it's, it's actually a way of saying I welcome you. Right? I welcome interaction with you. It projects a certain level of intimacy that is distinct from somebody that repulses you. Uh, it's a way of saying, you are not repulsive to me, right? And therefore, I'm going to touch you by shaking your hand or giving you a high five or giving you a hug. This leper would not have experienced that for a very long time because of his status, because he's unclean. And yet what Jesus does in a great act of pity, or maybe anger, but in a great act of pity, he touches the leper. You know, he could have actually spoken healing to this leper because Jesus has done that before. He has healed people without touching them. But here, he takes it a step further with this leper, and he touches this leper. As a way of saying to this leper, I do not reject you. If you come to me, I will never cast you out. And with that, Jesus touches the leper and says, be clean. And immediately, this leprosy, the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. Now, Mark, he wants to emphasize something here. Uh, and I, I think it's something he emphasizes in the entire gospel. Uh, what he wants to emphasize here is that Jesus has full authority. Right? Jesus is one, someone of power and authority. And one of the features of Mark is... Um, he uses the word immediately a lot. Uh, if you do a search in Mark, I think 35 times he uses this word immediately. Uh, 
It's a way of telling us that, you know, Jesus has complete authority and is in complete control. Uh, Jesus is the one who calms the storm by rebuking it and saying, peace, be still. Jesus is the one who has authority to cast out demons and even give these demons permission to enter into the pigs who drown in the sea. All of these stories are telling us something about who Jesus is, namely his authority over all of creation. And it reminds us of God's authority because, you know, when God created the world, he had the authority to create order out of chaos. And that's exactly what Jesus is doing here in these, uh, these little stories, in his miracle stories. Now, what does this have to do with the leper? Uh, I read a very interesting take on leprosy. You know, all those like strange Old Testament laws uh, about, a pers- about what makes a person unclean? And a lot of them have to do with like bodily discharges. And you read that and you're like, oh, that's like, that's weird. Why, why do people who have bodily discharges, why are they declared unclean? And you kind of wonder, what is the point of that? Well, the scholar says this. He says, when God created the universe, everything was arranged in order. Likewise, the body is arranged in order and bordered by its outer wall. Skin is the wall separating the body from the external universe. Therefore, either the the emission of the body's vital fluids or the failure of its skin indicates that the body is going counter to what God created. I never read that before, but when I read that, I was like, oh, that's so fascinating, right? That's really fascinating. These laws are meant to communicate something about God's created order. And something is declared to be unclean because it subverts that. It subverts God's created order. A leper is not only unclean because he is physically uh, potentially contagious to other people, but the failure of his skin is an illustration that something is wrong with God's created order. It's a product of decreation. It's order devolving into chaos. And you see, that brings us back to what the Gospels show us about Jesus. Jesus has the authority over all of creation, which means he has the power and the authority to bring order out of this chaos, to make order again in a world that is so chaotic. That's what we saw when he calms the storm, order out of chaos. That's what we see when he heals, uh, when we cast out demons, order out of chaos. That's what we see in this story when he heals this leper. God is bringing, or Jesus is bringing, order out of chaos in this created world. Now, how does he ultimately do that? These, these are just kind of moments and hints of how Jesus would ultimately do that. How does he ultimately do that? And here is uh, here's, uh, where uh, we get to the Christmas story, right? Jesus did it by coming into the world and entering into chaos. He enters into the storm in order to calm it. He enters into battle with these demons in order to cast them out. He touches the leper, defiling himself, in order to restore this leper and make him clean. Uh, You know, sometimes I think with Christmas, actually, I haven't felt it this year or last year, but usually, uh, I think with Christmas, uh, all that glitz and glamour, right, all the decorations, all the sparkly things that we associate with Christmas, uh, it probably betrays what uh, the heart of the message of the incarnation uh, actually means and what Jesus actually did. Uh, the incarnation is a, not about shiny or, or nice things. The incarnation is about 
Jesus becoming dirty so that we might become clean. Uh, there's this uh, show uh, called Dirty Jobs hosted by this guy named Mike Rowe uh, a while ago, right? And he goes around the country and he, he tries to discover and find the dirtiest and the most disgusting jobs that people have. And I think that's probably a more accurate picture of uh, what Christmas uh, is about because that's exactly what Jesus did. He performs the dirtiest job of all when he enters into chaos, when he takes on human flesh, when he touches a leper, right? When he ultimately becomes submissive to death upon a cross. Jesus becomes dirty so that we might become clean. I think 2 Corinthians 5.21 summarizes it well. It says, for our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus becomes sin. He becomes a personification of sin, the very one, only one, who knew no sin. Why? So that we might become the righteousness of God. Uh, if you want to look at the end of the story of this leper, there is an interesting coincidence, and I don't know if this is intentional or if I'm reading too much into the text, but notice where like the leper ends up versus where Jesus ends up. The leper is back amongst the people, uh, not listening to Jesus because now the leper is like telling everybody what Jesus did. And as a result, where does Jesus end up? Jesus is out in desolate places. The word desolate places is another word for the wilderness. That's where the leper is supposed to be. And I don't know, maybe it prefigures what Jesus would experience on the cross. I don't know if this is what Mark intended to show us, but theologically, it's true, right? Hebrews 13 tells us Jesus suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Jesus becomes the exile so that the leper might be welcomed in. And that's the gospel dynamic. That's the message of Christmas. That's ultimately Jesus' heart for us. If Christmas reminds us of anything, it should remind us that Jesus' heart is to welcome and to receive the dirtiest of all people. All that is required of us is to act in faith and maybe desperation, maybe they go hand in hand, and to come to Jesus. And we can be assured he will not cast us out. Whatever you're thinking in your head, this is why I can't come, Jesus' response will always be, I will not cast you out. I will never cast you out. He will not reject us, no matter how filthy, no matter how dirty we think we are. He will not cast us out on account of his blood on the cross. And therefore, there is no reason to not come to Jesus, at least on Jesus' end, right? Maybe we have our own reasons and we have our own troubles coming to Jesus, but at least on Jesus' end, there is no reason not to come to him because he welcomes us, because his very heart is uh, gentle and lowly, and he yearns to welcome uh, the worst of rejects, including this leper and including you and I. Let's pray together. Uh, Jesus, we thank you that uh, you give us those words in the Gospel of John that I will never cast you out. We thank you that you give us this illustration, this very picture of the kind of heart Jesus has in receiving and welcoming and touching this very leper. And wherever we are, uh, wherever we are spiritually, uh, wherever, whatever we are dwelling on um, of our own sense of uh, failures and disappointments, uh, 
We pray, God, that you would remind us of your gentleness and give us a sense of comfort that we can always turn to you. That you actually invite us in. You know, uh, just rem- I just remember all the painful experiences of, uh, you know, not feeling uh, like you belong, not feeling welcomed to a place. And to know that Jesus is the very opposite of that, that the very place of welcome and hospitality and belonging is found in your presence. And so help us to come to you uh, in our desperation, in our circumstances, uh, in our own dirtiness, in our sin. Help us to come to you and to receive what you have to offer to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.